Sales, more well-established lesbian. Chapter 36 Moving has been a massive part of my life. Like, I'm no army brat, as the saying goes, but I've definitely gotten about. And wherever I go next, it will be move number 21. So, I feel like I'm pretty practised at the whole thing. That being said, living here with Ashley and our motley cast of housemates has been the longest I've laid my head in the same place since I lived in Wales. I wasn't sentimental about leaving the town. I'd never really connected with it, but the house, we'd made that our home and there had definitely been some mad, bad and sad days there, but there had been plenty of good times too. And it's not just the house I was sentimental about. You'd think someone who has moved as many times as I have would travel light. But no, no, not I. Hoarder would be extreme, but I can totally see how it happens. I mean, there are always plenty of reasons to keep things. Like, for starters, you never know when it's going to come in useful. Now, this approach works very well when you're my dad and you have a garage for all of these wonderful things and a three to four bedrooms house with a loft in it. Then, then you can hang on to whatever you like and plenty of it without issue. When you rent a room, hmm, not such a good idea. And it's not like Ash didn't know this when we got together. Like in fact, one of our first lively discussions was about why Ashley couldn't understand why I felt the need to keep every single copy of a magazine I read. And I don't really have a better answer beyond one that sounds kind of wanky. I mean, they're kind of good for inspiration, whether I'm designing t-shirts or for my own wardrobe. And I just kind of like collecting stuff. As a kid, it was badges. I still love a good badge, right? And then there was a stamps face. Had to feel for my dad looking back on that one. Imagine having to walk your kid around a stamp fair. Snooze fest. And then there was this whole really weird phase where I collected thimbles. Little porcelain thimbles. Now as merchandise options go, I have never understood how somebody sat there one day and just went, you know what this theme park needs? tiny porcelain thimbles as merchandise they'll love it they'll eat it up i don't even know how they sold us on that and they didn't even just sell it to us and get us to go along with it we had special little like shelving units to keep your thimble collection in what was that about and they're probably still in my parents loft if i'm honest because well i'm terrible at letting go of things. There is one collection, however, that has come with me all the way through. And that, that is my book collection. The majority of it has changed over time, except for one section. And that is my collection of Beano and Dandy annuals. 
These weekly comics were the stuff of my childhood, and both of them had girls who were equally as naughty and troublesome as the main boy characters. With, of course, the extra helping of chastisement on top, because, well, you know, boys will be boys and uh, girls should know better. And, of course, be more ladylike. Now, the dandy had Beryl the Peril, and she was all right, but the Beano was far and away my favourite. Minnie the Minx was more than a match for Dennis the Menace and her own adversary, Soppy Susan. This comic was packed with characters I loved like Roger the Dodger and the Bash Street Kids and Billy Whiz. So I was always much more Team Beano than Team Dandy. But I do love Desperate Dan and his beard that's so tough he shaves with a blowtorch. You know, come Christmas, these comics would make an annual for the year. You know, a really lovely hardback cover, slightly larger version of the comic. And at some point in the mid-80s, my mum and dad made these a part of my Christmas gift. And I asked for them the year after too. And in a few months, if I don't get them for Christmas 2021, it's going to get very real very quickly in our house. So what this means is that I have a lot of hardback comic annuals and they are like one of the worst things to move. They are deceptively heavy. And of course, seven years with Ashley and the Beano and Dandy collection is going strong. And between the two of us, we've now amassed enough books to rival the local charity shop. I've moved a lot, but I've never really had the chance to accumulate this much stuff before. Even just thinking about packing it all up was a lot. But it's actually a lot of what I quite like to do. I am my father's daughter and I have learned more than a thing or two from him along the way. To me, this is when my butchness becomes like a superpower. Moving house combines so many of my butch skills, you know, organisation, logistics, transport, and of course, making life as easy as possible for my femme, Ashley, who is handling all of the admin and that sort of stuff. The division of labour is working out really well. Ash doesn't have to risk breaking a nail, and I don't have to fill in a single form. Everyone's a winner here. Except we've got to find somewhere to live, and pretty sharpish. The hunt was on, and Ashley and I were looking for a place together. I finally felt like I had a bit of a say in the whole situation, coming into it this time together like we were. Both of our names would be on the place. We were just renting, but to me, it made a difference. But we had to find it first. And although Ashley had been working up here for a few months, she'd seen very little of the town. We had no idea where it was good to live. And it seemed like a big risk just to buy somewhere, only to realise it was in the wrong place entirely. So our smart plan was to rent out all of the rooms back at the old house and Ash's brother could keep an eye on things as he seemed to have no intention of going anywhere until he absolutely had to. 
I worked out my notice and we spent our evenings and weekends viewing all sorts of properties in all sorts of places. One particularly long Saturday of unsuccessful viewings left us in another town over from where our hunt had started and after we'd seen every village in between. Everything was up in the air in a state of flux and yet it felt like we were back at square one. My driving matched our thinking and at some point I was just going round and round this roundabout. Driving in circles, thinking in circles, totally unsure of which direction we ought to go in. We needed a moment and we needed sustenance. We needed to kind of think and talk the day through. We'd driven around this town all day in every direction and it had just what we needed at that moment. So I dive off the roundabout, pull up next to the pizza place I'd seen, get out, grab us a couple of pizzas, I'm back in the car and I head to the lake that was at the edge of the town. We park up in the car park, put our feet on the dash and eat our pizza in the car, enjoying the view, feeling like it was the early days all over again. Pizza in the car had been a bit of a favourite when we needed to escape crazy Pete's. So we stuffed our faces and bitched about how useless letting agents were being. And they didn't get any more helpful any time soon. I had no patience for them. But thankfully, Ashley, Ashley knew how to speak salesperson. So I let her crack on with it. Time though, was becoming a bit of an issue. I did not want to be doing a hundred mile round trip to my new job. Ashley and I are built very differently in that regard and paid very differently too. And then the email pops up. It's a new listing. Oh, it's cute. It's this tiny little bungalow in a little village, bang smack between Ashley's work and mine. Roses in the front garden, a lovely little bit of lawn in the back garden. It was small, but perfectly full. We only wanted somewhere temporary for six months. We could totally manage with the size of this place for the short term. I was pondering the storage unit rental options when Ashley pointed out he had a garage. Well, as you can imagine, that got my vote. We took the place. Village life was calling us. How grown up was that? We're over 30 now, we're off to live a little picturesque village, complete with a pub on the river, a post office that was also an off-license, convenience store, bakery and DVD rental club. Oh, and there was a Chinese restaurant on the crossroads. What more could you want from semi-rural living? Now, the one thing we did wonder was would we be the only gays in the village? And Ashley was actually going for the double, the only black and the only gay in the village. But first, just the small matter of putting our entire lives into boxes and lugging them up the motorway. And this is one of those situations where I genuinely feel quite useful and quite capable. There are, of course, moments of moving that can be quite stressful. For us, it was the actual packing section of the process. You see, Ashley started strong, but was very easily distracted from the task at hand. 
you'd be finding half-packed boxes all over the house. And sometimes you have got to pick your battles. And I'd fill all the half-packed boxes we had if Ashley would confront her wardrobe situation. If I hoarded stuff, Ashley hoarded clothes. And the new place was not going to be able to handle it. The bungalow would just be bursting at the seams. Now, wardrobe space had been a bit of a butch femme battleground from day one. Most of the time, it was quite playful, but uh, the wardrobe situation especially was becoming no joke. I was forever losing ground in there. But the time had come for a cull. And Ashley was sulking hard about it. I tried to make her feel better about the many book sacrifices I had made, which didn't count for a lot, in Ash's opinion. So finally she decides to do it. And the first pass through her wardrobe goes terribly. And I mean, like, hilariously terribly. She parts with six tops. And I'm looking at her like, what, is the new living room going to be a walk-in wardrobe? What, what's your plan here? I wouldn't say this was revenge for the clearing out of all my magazines and things back in the day that Ashley had done, but uh, I was very happy to help her make some more cuts to the collection. There was just one or two points where I hadn't really thought it through. Because there was Ashley keeping what seemed to be yet another pair of jeans that I had never seen her wear. And I questioned it. Why are you keeping them? What's the point of them? Until she finally loses her temper with me. For God's sake, some of us haven't been the same size since we were 18. These are my fat jeans. Right. Yeah. That, that was a fair point and um, it was well made and it was one I had not considered. And uh, let's just say I probably shouldn't have followed it up by questioning the handbag collection next. I just wasn't my finest work, people. It was not my finest work. And Ashley did make some uh, very good counterpoints about the amount of sports equipment I owned and the... Uh, lack of sports that I actually did so yeah we we just let we just let that one go we just call that one quits yeah but I still maintain that one day one day I'm going to meet somebody else who also owns a lacrosse stick and keeps it at home for no apparent reason and we are going to go to the park together and throw a ball around and become lacrosse buddies it's gonna happen but at this particular point in time Ashley was very unimpressed and uninterested in this prediction. There was some good news on the packing front. We were actually leaving an awful lot of our furniture behind for the people who were going to be renting the place out. Less to lug around. Happy days. The bad news was that, uh, well, we'd have bugger all to sit on and we got to the new house. Hmm. The day of the move arrives and uh, it couldn't have gone more smoothly, to be honest with you. I packed the van twice over so beautifully, my dad would have been so proud. 
we were so ahead of our own schedule that uh, I decided we had time to solve our sofa situation. We had the van for another four hours. So there I am searching all the local classified sites. I end up on eBay, of course, watching any auction that ends within the next hour, within about 30 miles of our new place. At one point, it looked like we were going to end up with the most hideous green leather sofa, but I refused to pay more than £12.50 for that based on the colour alone. I wasn't quick enough to win the futon, but uh, since as we're not students, I wasn't terribly sad about that one. Next up was a bit of a big old unit of a sofa, a bit fancy looking, some proper sofa brand from back in the day. And I managed to get it for a mere tenner. Happy days. But now it's go on Mission Sofa and it is um, a very tight timeline. But forever the optimist I am. In fact, on this occasion, I might have been a little too optimistic. You see, in my haste, I'd misjudged the size of the sofa and, um, well, the size of the van. And uh, we discovered this whilst Ashley was stood at the rear of the van holding up the very heavy end of a three-seater sofa that's just hanging out the arse of it. With me wandering around it going, ah, oh, totally thought that was going to fit. And it is only too big by a couple of inches. I'm sure I can figure this out. So I climb into the back of the van and I wrestle this sofa into the farthest corners as I can get it. Just any kind of gap and we just move it around and eventually the door's almost close. The gap's tiny, it's like an inch or two. So there we are standing on the driveway of this couple's massive fancy barn conversion, rooting through the door pockets of this van to find something to tie the doors together with. There's nothing. So I go back to the folks who sold us the sofa. And well, they still haven't quite gotten over the shock of us just yet. They'd been surprised from the moment they'd opened their front door through to the moment Ashley and I had just picked their sofa up and walked it out to the van. Despite, you know, not having our fellas with us. We'd rolled our eyes at each other on that one. As much as I enjoy a smart comeback, some days I just can't be asked to come out or fight the good fight. I knocked on the door to ask for some rope or some string or some cable ties to hold the van doors closed. I was already jealous of their epic, Grand Designs-esque barn conversion. And the sofa we'd just bought had come out of the library nook, don't you know? In the hunt for rope, or string, it became very clear that these weren't practical folk. We went out to their garage, which was spotless and, um, empty. A cable tie seemed very unlikely. If they had string, neither one of them could find it. And so finally, they come back to me with a box of cables. We've all had one of those boxes. You know, that box that just starts one day with that one spare cable that you think it would be a good idea to keep. And somehow, months later, it's like a writhing nest of power adapters and various USB to God knows what cables. And don't forget, of course, the obligatory microfilters and ethernet cables from the internet companies. And so there I am, driving home, 
through a city plagued by roundabouts with the back doors of the van held together by a printer cable, a power cord and two USBs. As we pulled up to the bungalow to unload it, there was only one cable still intact, holding it all together. One more corner would probably have been one too many. But we've got no time to stop and marvel at our luck. The countdown is on for the van. But it's no bother, I think. It's a straight line down the garden path, through the door and into the living room. I mean, easy peasy. If the door was half an inch wider, that is. Fuck. (laughs) I've got an hour left and it's going to take me 30 minutes to get the van back. We're losing light here and there is a three-seater sofa jammed into the back door of our new house. And Ashley, she looks like she's had more than enough of me and my bright ideas. As I stand in the garden and stare at the situation I've created, I'm inclined to agree with her. But I didn't come this far just to come this far. And we are not starting village life as those lesbians who left the sofa out on the street. Ashley utters the perfect motivational phrase. I'll just give it up, babes. It's not going to fit. Combined with her tone of weary resignation, it's exactly the restart my engine needs. I get my toolkit out. If it can come off the damn sofa, it does. Those tiny stub legs, any covers, those with the thick ridges on them, every bit of cushioning that can be removed is now out. This makes the sofa exactly the same width as the door frame. I pivot the shit out of it and flat out drag the damn thing through the doorway and into the house. At one point I was sat on top of it, forcing it down through the door. With minutes to spare, the carcass of the sofa is in the middle of our now very small looking living room. I leave Ashley to the rebuild as I break every speed limit to avoid penalty charges on returning the van. And it was all totally worth it as I fell onto the sofa with Ashley at the end of that day. It was all change but her. And for the first time in what felt like forever, there was no one in the house but us. It hadn't happened quite the way either of us would have planned it, but we'd gone with the change rather than fighting it. May I treated myself to a nice week off between my last day and my first day. And I got all the boxes unpacked, found a place for everything, even if it was in our new and not so watertight garage. I'm in my element. I'm making the very best I can of the situation. By the end of the first week, the house is more than livable. I've chucked up a gazebo in the garden and whacked out some fairy lights and I make dinner for date night. And Ash and I sit down to enjoy the late summer's evening in our garden. Gucci staring from the window at us. And he gave me a great idea. Well, I thought it was a great idea. Gucci disagreed. In fact, for a cat who looks permanently unimpressed, she somehow managed to convey her downright contempt 
from my idea from the get-go. I incurred some significant scratching and biting as I wrestled Gucci into a harness. I mean, maybe all cats are lesbians too, but this one was purple as well. Now, Furious did not cover it. And honestly, you could do nothing else but laugh at her, right? So I attached the lead and I opened the back door. And this, this is a whole new world for Gucci, who's only ever gone as far as the balcony where she was bullied by the local bird population. And let me tell you something, curiosity was not gonna kill this particular cat. She looked at the garden and then back at me as if to say, and what? I picked her up, saved her the step down from the back door. It didn't help any. Gucci just lay down on the garden path like, fine, I'll sleep out here if that's how this has to be. I gave a little tug on the lead and there was a look on her face that said, if you want to walk something, get a dog love. I mean, turns out Gucci was very happy with her indoor life, it seemed. And as it goes, I was pretty happy too. We're both settling in really well. I mean, it has taken me a few attempts to, uh, you know, find our house on my way home from work but uh, you know I only lost the village once or twice and took some very scenic routes to arrive back at our front door. Even if there are lots of positives in a situation it doesn't mean it's not scary too but at least we're not starting from scratch you know we've got each other and we've still got our friends and hopefully we're gonna make some more. Plus I didn't really mind it just being us. It felt like we were getting to make up for lost time. And besides, that's kind of how my parents have always been. Those two, honestly, they are so in love with one another. They don't really need other people. It's not that they're antisocial. They'll just choose each other's company over most other situations. Like They've got each other through everything. And I wanted Ash and I to be like that. Not to isolate ourselves intentionally, but just to know that if there was no one else, it would still be okay, because there would still be us. And I'm loving the peace and quiet of village life. With no annoying housemates in my way, I started baking again, and, uh, well, it never hurts to be the new person who brings in cakes, I'm just saying. Yeah? And my new work people were great. I couldn't quite believe my luck that it had been as easy as that to just walk into this new job. And I did, I just slipped right into place. There was one thing though that wasn't quite in place and that was our new garden. We'd only been there five minutes it felt like and uh, the garden was already getting wild and out of hand. And it turns out that in a village People who aren't even your neighbours will stop and talk to you. And they will casually mention how nice the old owner used to keep the garden. Oh, they did a lovely job, they did. Oh, the borders, they were so lovely. Honestly, it's the politest way I've ever been told to uh, sort my garden out. Best I buy myself a lawnmower then to keep in my new garage. I'm sure there are plenty of butchers out there who are all green fingers and thumbs, but... Uh, yeah, that's not me. My idea of garden is more I cut, I chop, I clear. Border plants? 
I'm having enough trouble trying to work out what's a weed or not. And while I'm trying to work out what's what, the villagers pass by and uh, try and work out what's what with me. And many of them casually misgender me. Oh, good work, young man. Oh, that'll keep you out of trouble, won't it now, son? Oh, I don't suppose you fancy doing mine after, do you, fella? Sometimes they work it out when I stand up to say thanks for the encouragement. And some stammer and apologise profusely as they realise they've got it wrong. One old boy, however, had me howling. Because as he realised his error, he shouted, Fuck me, you're a lady. All right, fair play to you, darling. Sterling effort. What are you supposed to do with that? I just... Bless him. From him and his Zimmer frame continued his daily lap of the village. The misgendering happened in the pub and the post office, but generally only the once. They got the hang of it after that. They just corrected themselves and moved swiftly on. And it was like that in the village, just a quiet and simple acceptance. It was a massive relief because you do, you worry. If we move to a new place, how accepting is it really? You know, while we're lucky to be protected from discrimination on a legal level, there's always another way to make life difficult should a landlord not want to rent to a same-sex couple. You have to wonder what the new neighbours will be like and what they'll think and how they'll react when they realise two women have moved into that one-bedroom bungalow down the street. How they might react to an interracial lesbian couple. And as I know all too well, it's not a problem until it is a problem. It's these thoughts that wear you down. It's this stuff that makes it a hard life. Even back in 2013, I celebrated National Coming Out Day. Because it is, it's important to be yourself, but it does come with a consideration for your own personal safety. And moving, moving can mean you have to do all that all over again. And that's for those who need to come out. For some of us, butch, masculine or gender non-conforming, we're always out. I don't get to decide which villagers I can trust with that information or which of my new workmates can be confided in. The way I dress and present myself begins that conversation without me opening my mouth. I can be a very visible target for a homophobe. But remember, I'm an optimist and there is always a silver lining and if the homophobes can spot me, then so can cute, hot women. I mean, you just can't have the sweet without the sour. Now, a big part of my visibility is to do with my very lesbian haircuts. And the very worst thing about moving, aside from worrying about your personal safety, is having to find a new barbers. In fact, I've been having such little luck with barbers of late that... I'd taken to cutting my own hair. And it wasn't going badly, but bloody hell, that's a lot of effort. It takes me two hours to do a cut half as good as a barber does in 25 minutes. And um, cutting your hair when you wear glasses is uh, it's tricky. It's very, very tricky. So I'm ready to try a new barbershop and save myself some of that effort. And I find a barber's. Comes recommended, really well rated. The cuts look really good. But they're not the friendliest when I get there. I ask if they've got space. I don't want anything fancy, I say. 
just a quick cut and they say yeah take a seat it's a pretty cool looking shop bit of a old timey vibe to it and i've got plenty of time to study it in detail as they uh leave me sitting there not one of the barbers will make eye contact with me and i'm getting the distinct impression they'd really rather i wasn't here but nobody's got the decency to say something so they just continue to ignore me and be paranoid i tell myself you don't know the system here maybe those two fellows who just came in after you had appointments in a barber's that doesn't do appointments so when the third fella comes in and ends up in a chair before me I say something. Apparently, they hadn't realised they wanted a cut. What with it being a barber's and all. And this is the catch-22. Because I don't really want to put up with this sort of shit. But I do need a haircut. And sooner rather than later. But I don't want to cut by a barber. I've just pissed off. So I stay quiet. And one of them finally volunteers to cut my hair. What a brave soldier. How good of him. Clearly this lot have been hoping I'd just give up and go home. But now they've made it a thing. So here we are. It was one of the most silently awkward haircuts I've had in a very long time. And when the cutthroat razor came out to clean up my edges, I prayed that my widow's peak wouldn't pay the price for my insistence upon service. I'd once spent two weeks with a black man's hairline cut in and it was not something I planned on doing again. The whole thing was such a shame because, you know, as I said, the shop looked cool. Even the chairs were those classic barber chairs that were so comfortable. But all of the people sucked. And the cut was okay, but it was nothing special. This was not the shop for me, clearly. I'd find another, and, uh, and if I didn't, I could do it myself. You know, like us butchers do. Meantime, Ashley and I are making the most of our new local pub along the riverside. And we go out and buy ourselves some new hiking boots and explore the countryside that's practically on our doorstep. Lots of long weekend walks, often from one pub to another. During the week, quiet evenings with just Ash and I binging TV shows or playing board games or doing some more baking. Ashley had one more Amdram show back in her old town. And fair play to her, she worked so hard between the rehearsals and the running back and forth. And, and I should know how hard she worked, since as I've been forced to listen and watch her rehearse Jingle Bell Rock for months now. Honestly, it was almost enough to turn anyone into a mean girl. But somehow, when show week comes around, you forget all about that when you're watching with total admiration as she does something she loves. And she does it really well. Nothing but love and pride. Hello. And thanks for joining me for another chapter. It's a bit of a big week for the show, you know. Thanks to each and every one of you by the time you hear this, this show will have hit 10,000 plays. 10,000 plays. It's an unreal number to me. And you, you all made it happen. So as I said, I'm going to celebrate and I'm going to do a bonus episode where you can ask me anything. 
send in your questions via my Insta, which is at wellestablishedlesbian, or come and join the show community on Reddit. Find us in r slash t-o-a-w-e-l. I've had some cracking questions in so far, so don't miss out. Get yours in now. In the meantime, if you want to help keep the show ad-free, please consider subscribing or donating via ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com forward slash well-established lesbians. Or you can find the details on my Insta bio. Please keep sharing the show, keep leaving your reviews, keep telling your friends all about it. It all helps so, so much. Who knows? 20,000 could be a possibility. Thanks as always for the privilege of your time and I hope you're as excited about the week ahead as I am. Whatever you're doing, make it a good one. Take care.